This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Happy Monday to you. And uh, today I'm in the studio with Pastor Craig Jarvis. He's our church planning pastor. And uh, very excited to have you in the studio with us, Craig. Today, the question is awesome. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good one. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who is always bitter, always complains, and always sees the world as a glass half empty? <sighs> so if you're the person who is bitter all the time, I have a hunch you're aware. Like, you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. You are you hate people. Mm-hmm. Every, 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 you're easily irritated mm-hmm. and annoyed. Like, it's not hard to figure out that you're this person. Maybe even um, your friend is sending you this podcast, and they're like, hey, I'm, we've talked about this. You know, I'm sure if the friend loves you enough to send you the podcast, they've probably already told you to some degree or in their own way, Hey, you know, you're kind of bitter or half glass mm-hmm. empty. So, uh, let me just talk about the reality of of if you're this person, um people are wired to run away from negative people. Um bitterness is unattractive. Um it is not compelling. Um it is not something where people are excited to be around it. Uh on a, on a just a purely pragmatic level, it's an issue. And Maybe you're so bitter that you hate people and that your bitterness is intentionally pushing people away. Like you realize that it makes people not want to be around you. And so now this is a part of a bigger ploy that that could be possible, but it is really stressful for the people in your life to be in your presence. Hmm. So it might be a holiday. You might be neighbors. I've lived next to bitter neighbors and it is exhausting purely exhausting. Uh, Brianne and I, my wife just got done listening to a book called a man named Uva. And, uh, the book is about an old curmudgeon crotchety dude. And the whole book actually takes you through his entire life. Like you open up the book and he's trying to buy an iPad and he's like, I want an iPad. And the person's like, uh, he's like, I need a computer. This is a computer. Where's the keyboard? You know? And like, you just, you just feel the tension in this guy's voice. And, and the book brings you into his entire story. Mm. And, uh, the guy objectively had an incredibly difficult life. Mm. And by the time you get to the end of the book, you start to understand why this guy is the way he is. And these, this family moves in next door to them with all these little kids and they just drive them nuts. And the the whole book is actually about, um, his attempt to kill himself and how um, he got to this point. It's just a remarkable book. Uh, a movie's coming out about it. It's going to have subtitles because it's it's a Swiss book or whatever. Mm-hmm. But And I, I, we were listening to it, and I thought to myself, wow, actually, like it, it builds this empathy inside of you for like what must have brought this person to the place where they are so crotchety all the time. And uh, it's almost always a series of life trials and pains and tribulations and unexpected events, um, idols being smashed often, or sometimes really good things like relationships being destroyed or hurt or people passing away. And and I think on a human level, we'll look at this and we'll say, okay, there's only so much a soul can take. Mm -hmm. And on a human level, there is only so much a soul can take. Despair is a very real thing, Mm -hmm. which is why we need Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because when you have Jesus, the soul is capable of enduring more than we could ever possibly mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. Case in point, Job. Mm-hmm. How can man endure what Job endured 
and come out on the other side and say, I will worship God. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things we have to make a distinction here is if they're not a Christian, then they have no hope. They're stuck. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. I do believe that non-Christians have enough self-control to get out of bitterness. Um, there are enough psychological self-will things that they could do to do things that make them feel emotionally more happy. I do think that's capable. So go see a psychologist. But if you're a Christian, you have been given power to overcome this. In fact, I would even go so far to say is if bitterness wins, it's a sin. If complaining wins, it's a sin. And if people don't want to be around you because of this spirit, that is also sin. Mm. Uh, So Craig, I want to just punt to you for a moment. Just unravel for us why complaining and bitterness are ugly to God and their sins. Like what is so vile to God about these things that like we need to eradicate all traces of these things in our souls. So this is a harsh reality. And I appreciate where you're coming from in beginning this conversation, because you're right. Bitter people are bitter for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them have better reasons than others. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Some people you're like, really? That's why you're bitter? Exactly. You know, but for the believer, um, when you, when you have been saved by Christ, you're given every reason to rejoice. God turns our mourning into dancing. Mm. The reason bitterness and complaining are vile to God and never spoken of highly mm. in scripture is because when we're bitter and we complain about things, we're not okay. Mm. We're not okay with how things are going in our lives. And quite frankly, we're not okay with the author of yeah. how things are going on in our lives. And God does things in our lives for a reason. And it's always the right one. It's mm. always a good reason. We may not know why, but we endure those things because we trust him. That's mm. what faith is all about. He doesn't tell us what's going to happen tomorrow because yeah. he expects us to have faith to trust him today. Yep. And so I've been with some people that have gone through some pretty horrific events. And they've gone through it with a measure of joy mm. and peace when there shouldn't be joy and peace because, quite frankly, they trust that God has a bigger plan. They have faith that God is going to make whatever they're going through yep. work together for good. Mm. And so when we complain and we and we especially complain to other people, mm. we have to understand that we're complaining against the author of our lives, not necessarily against the details that occur. Drop the mic. But, but yeah, we're good. complaining against the one who has put our lives together, planned yeah. our journey for us, and put us on the path. Yep. Like those who trust the Lord with every step, we trust that he has our best interests at heart mm. and to complain against him for the path that he's given to us yep. is to say, I'm not okay with God. And that's the biggest yep. challenge. So I'm, I'm listening and um, I, ha- I have legitimately just lost mm. my husband mm-hmm. or my wife or my kids, one of them, two of them, multiple. Can I be sad? Oh, sadness. Jesus was sad. Be sad. Sad is an emotion of God. Sad, sadness is not a sin. But sadness has the potential of turning our heart against what God is doing, and that turns into bitterness, and bitterness is never spoken of well in Scripture. One of the things that I like to say about emotions, um, and mostly this comes from my wife, so I'm just regurgitating her general philosophy on this, is that every emotion has a shelf life, and and if you linger in that emotion too Mm -hmm. long— um, it turns into something else. So anger, when you linger in it too long, turns to bitterness. Mm-hmm. Sadness, when you linger in it too long, can turn into depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and that every emotion has an intention, and it's got a shelf life. And we need to make sure that it doesn't exceed its shelf life. Mm, I like that. Otherwise, we become semi-useless in other areas, and then the negative things start to take over. And so I think one of the ploys of Satan is that he knows this, and so when he sees anger, he wants us to keep it till the next day. So apparently the shelf life of anger is... 
uh, when the sun goes down, it's mm. got to be gone, you mm-hmm. know, because if you wake up with it the next day, it starts to take Give the devil a foothold. Yep. Sadness is one of those things. I think that it has a longer shelf life, um, depending on the severity of what's been taken away from you. And also yeah. depending on the severity of your connection to that thing. Mm. That's one of those things though, that very quickly sadness can turn into depression very quickly. Loss and grief over loss can turn into bitterness uh, and very quickly irritants or irritancy, whatever the word is, can turn into, we'll just say aggravation and annoyance, you know? Um, and so all of these things are normal and human and are there and given by God. And uh, we just got to control them. But unfortunately, there are people who have spent their whole life not living under any sense of control um, or have spent extended seasons. And if you're a Christian, I just I just need you to hear this. And someone comes to you and says, I really sense that you are not optimistic you're bitter. Um, you need to stop and take some serious, like you just need to take inventory at this point and probably begin a process of repentance. And this is where a pastor or a Christian counselor or a really mature believer in Christ can come alongside of you and say, you know what, let's, let's go on a journey together and figure out how to overcome this because it doesn't over, you don't overcome this by just snapping your fingers and no, being like, no, Oh, no. I'm happy now. Yay. I'm joyful. Hot. Like uh, in the same way that it, there's a process that you become pessimistic and complaining and bitter. Uh, it's also a process to get out of it. It takes some time. And so uh, I just think you knowing that snapping your fingers doesn't fix this thing. Um, usually it happens in, in a community context with a lot of help. And I think community that I like the words that you're using that because when we get into a community of God, you're with a community of people who've been saved from sin yep. to, to something that they don't deserve. And they are to live their lives in thankfulness for that thing. And so to get into a group, typically you put into a group with with other people that are hurting like you are. Mm-hmm. That's understandable, but you can't stay there. You have to include other groups yep. in your life that are going to pull you out of that yep. depressed state. Or totally. the, Why are you bitter? You, you need to pull people out of that and you need to get into a, a church or a community group that is constantly giving you reasons to rejoice, especially if you're a believer, who you are in Jesus Christ. And if you're a non-believer, you don't believe in Jesus yet, you got to be introduced to real joy. Mm. And you can be introduced to that in Jesus Christ. The pathway from bitterness and complaining and pessimism and half-glass-empty is a combination of two things, obsessive gratitude and constant forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, obsessive. That is the word. Like, you have to walk around finding everything that is functional and good in your life and learn to be grateful. That is not easy because when you're half glass empty, you're walking around looking for everything that's bad. Literally everything you do, you have to do the opposite. So you're sitting here and let's say that I'm sitting across from yeah. you and I'm going, I, I'm, I've just been hammered. My, my, I've lost my, my wife. I've lost my kid to a tragic accident and I'm getting sucked into this depressive, yeah. depressive hole. Everything's dark. Everything's yep. bad. What would you give me for advice, Michael, that would help um, me pull out of that tailspin? Yeah, there's a couple things there. Number one, I would want to make sure that you actually have grieved because sometimes we can bypass grief and go straight to depression. Mm. And we actually haven't really dealt with the loss. So there are some aspects of grief that I'd want to go through with that person and making sure that we really don't bypass that. Mm. I think there are aspects of purpose. Um, there does come a point very quickly when you need purpose. Uh, I'd want to make sure that in that person's depression, they have significant responsibility and purpose in life in the context of a community. 
and depending on the severity of like their gratitude and just who the person is. I mean, men and women are so different. If it was, if it was a woman, I would bring a woman around her and have them right. a bunch of ladies enter into their life. And if it was a dude, I'd make sure that there was just a couple guys that we were really intentional saying, Hey, we're going to kind of like pause our lives for a minute and build a new, we'll say micro community with some guys mm-hmm. for a temporary season. There's always benefit in having a, a, a counselor, um, somebody who's just trained in this kind of stuff to be in the whole process. That way the person can have a place where they can just kind of puke and get all their stuff out, you know, and just say, here's where I'm at. It's um, in theory, you can do that with anybody, but just somebody who's just kind of a neutral, safe person to help push them back to this community. And um, we love cooperative counseling. My wife runs a counseling center out of the church and we have a group of counselors that we work with in the area that have a bunch of different specialties. And so depending on what this person's issue is, uh, what we like to do is have a professional counselor and then a release agreement where the counselor can talk to maybe a pastor and there's a more of a community approach to stuff. Um, there's some people who I think it's cheesy as it sounds like you need to sit down like maybe every hour on the hour and write one thing you're grateful for mm-hmm. and open up the word of God and just go at it. Mm-hmm. There are some circumstances when it's right, where you need to find somebody whose life is more jacked up than yours and go hang out with them. Mm-hmm. I imagine if I'm Job, how do you find somebody whose life is more jacked up than yours? Sometimes your life might be the most jacked up of anybody. And there is no one who has it worse. Ultimately, all of these things have to have an arrow that points you back to getting on your knees before Jesus and letting him minister to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. All of these things like have to be pushing us because until we can look, we'll just say, imagine Jesus is in the room until we can look him in the face and say, I love you. I will take whatever you give to me. I will bend the knees and I will fight through my emotions to land in the right place. Um, all of these things are an application of that commitment. Mm. you know. And I want to see that person even though they may not feel the commitment, even if it's just an intellectual commitment in that moment, I just want to know, like, are you willing and do you really want to come before the the throne of Jesus Christ and lay this at his feet and figure out how to do that? It's going to take a lot of work, you know? Um, And that's maybe for a scenario like you'd suggested. And I think of either some men or women who, honestly, they're just kind of bitter because things didn't work out the way they wanted. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed at how many people, life just didn't meet their expectations Mm -hmm. or their husband or their wife didn't, so they're just kind of bitter, you know? And there's a different level of repentance on that end that I think is much more about learning gratitude and extending forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, and then also just dealing with God. And I think sometimes God needs to look at some of these people and needs a, they need a rebuke. And he needs to look at them and say, you need to grow up. You need to stop this. And this is your life. And there, here's the hard reality. Most of the time people are in these circumstances, they chose it. They chose the person. They knew what was going to happen. Um, none of the none of the outcomes of their life are, are a mystery. If they had a little bit of help on the front end, they could have figured out that this is how it was going to turn out. So I would just say it's hard. Let me just summarize it that way. If you're in that circumstance, um, submitting your bitterness and your anger and your half-glass emptiness or whatever is hard. It is hard. And I would agree with, with what you said. And I think it needs to be underlined one more time that bitterness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit mm-hmm. of the Spirit. You may have reason for a season to be uh, sad, robbed of your joy. That may occur. It occurred with Jesus Christ on two occasions. We have him weeping. But at the same time, we have verses like Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. This deals with all kinds of things. But bitterness is included in the list along with all kinds of malice. Instead, be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Our heart is to look more like Jesus 
and less like the world. Yep. The world cannot go anywhere but bitterness and anger and and depression. And we as Christians need to be reminded on a constant basis, which is why if you're not going to church, that's a great antidote to this, mm -hmm. uh, to be reminded on a weekly basis that you have reason to rejoice, you have reason to have joy, you yeah. have verses in the scripture that they have to be possible or they wouldn't be written. Rejoice yeah. always. And again, I say rejoice. And that you can be reminded of every time you go to church and remember what Jesus has done for you and who you are in Christ. I think people in their brains think Jesus is a curmudgeon. I think he's a party animal. <laughs> I think he just was funny and loved. I think he was joyful. Mm. And I think he wore it on his face. I think the people who knew him talk about joy a lot. Mm -hmm. And there's something about being in the presence of Jesus where he abounded in joy. And he's like, hey, I came to lighten your burden. I came to give you life and joy abundant. Like, right. come on, people, you know? I think there was like a battle in him with an oppressed Jewish culture. He's like, look, y'all, like if you're going to be my followers, yeah. lighten, up. lighten up a little bit, you know, <laughs> like don't judge the outside world. You can't change them. Judge Christians, you know, like chill out. Yeah. Like joy is good. So enough of that. But all right, listeners, thank you um, for joining us today. See you guys tomorrow.